Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Growth for Educators podcast. My name is Chad McFarland. I am your host. This is episode four, and it is June 24th. We are well in the swing of summer. Most, if not all, educators are off. Well, we know that's not true. You're hanging out this summer. We know you're working. When you're putting time in the classroom, you're attending board meetings, you're attending committee meetings, you're attending contract negotiations right now. Um, we know that many of you are doing so many of those things. We've been gone for a while. Uh, last episode was recorded in January. A myriad of reasons, but first, the biggest reason is I just got, this got put on the back burner. No other reason than that, really. Um, and uh, it's time to get back into it. Um, feeling a little rejuvenated. Got myself a mentor or a coach, if you will, and kind of continue to work on building this thing. Had a great session this morning um, and came up with some topics. Actually, this was a topic that I um, had, had been wanting to talk about and just needed that quiet time. And I just sent my boys down the neighborhood to Sonic to get a drink. So I've got a little bit of time here. Um, and so this is a topic that, that's been heavy on me for a long time since I've left education and makes complete sense in my head and I talk to people about it and when I talk to people about this it makes sense out loud and then um, when it comes time to act on it for some people you just can't pull the trigger and so I want to I wanted to create an episode about this today and talk about a few resources one that I've put together and then um, a podcast and a book that I've been listening to and uh, really, really um, intriguing in the way that the business world thinks and, and how that might benefit us in education. So uh, the topic today that I, I really, really want to cover is that we all have an expiration date. And I'm not talking about death, mortality. I'm talking about the end of our career. Whether you like it or not, your career in education is going to come to an end. The question is, does it come to an end voluntarily or involuntarily? And voluntarily, we know that the goal is retirement from education. And, and for a lot of people, well, there's several reasons for retirement, that we want to get to retirement. I think when I talk to a lot of people, the number one reason is the pension, the retirement fund. In Kansas, we call it CAPERS, Kansas um, uh, public employee retirement system. I'm pretty sure that's CAPERS, what it stands for. Um, I'm not sure what you call it in your state, but it's the same idea. It's our pension fund. And to get to retirement, to be able to pull that out in Kansas, you have to reach 85. That's the magic number. So your years of service plus your years as an ed, uh, your years of service plus your age. When it gets to 85, then you are fully vested and you can draw on that in monthly chunks to receive that retirement fund. The unfortunate situation is that for most of us, it simply isn't going to be enough to lead the life the way we want to lead it after retirement. You know, we want to travel, we want to move to warmer climates or whatever many times and that fund just simply isn't enough and a lot of people don't realize that or they don't let it sink in until it's too late so that's 
Number one, we want to get that retirement fund. We've, we've contributed to it. We might as well get it back, right? And number two, there's a pride factor going in with retiring from education, spending an entire career, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is, in one career. There is pride with that, folks. No question that everybody would, not everybody, most people would love to be able to do that. And there's a comfort level that goes with that. It would be nice and peaceful to know that this is what I'm going to do. I don't need to change. I don't want to change. It's going to be this way. I'm going to make the money that I need to make. I'm going to make the difference that I'm going to, that I want to make. And it's going to be this way for the next 35 years. There is a level of comfort that goes into that without question. And who can blame a person? I, man, I'd say if I could, if I could make 60 grand a year, have great benefits, have the time I want off or some flexible time, why wouldn't I want to do that, right? But for some of us, there is a drive for more, whether it's more money, whether it's more time off, whether it's less stress, whether it's more respect. I mean, you name it. The pieces are there and what we all want. and Everybody's just a little bit different. And you may be completely fine with the way things are going in your classroom, your building, and your district. And that's awesome. I hope everybody, every educator has access to good finances, has access to a ton of support from their administration and their district, and has a fantastic culture within their district. Unfortunately, those of us who work or have worked in education know that simply isn't true. Uh, and maybe it's all three of those. Maybe the money is super poor in your area. Maybe you have an awful administrator who has zero support, wants to support you in zero ways. And maybe your, your district is falling apart. The culture's terrible. We know that exists. We know that exists too many places. So through my exploration of having left education, I wrote an article back in March on Medium, a story. They call it stories. It's called Teachers Have an Expiration Date. And I thought through this about why there's such a stigma or perceived pride in staying so long in education. And, and I, I don't know. I, you know, when I got into education, I thought, man, this is going to be pretty great. I, I can help people. And the retirement fund's going to be there. Um, I do have some time off in the summertime. I get to coach. I get to work with kids. And then I got into the leadership role that I was in. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then things just simply changed. And I, and I, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, not sure that I can pinpoint exactly one of them. There was a culmination of things. But that's where I landed, was in June of 2018, it was just simply time to go. And so, after a lot of thought, I realized that, that maybe that was just simply my expiration date for that part of my life, and it was time to start something new. So I wrote this piece, Teachers Have an Expiration Date, it's on Medium, you can find it. And I want to, just, it's, it's a longer read, it says 11 minutes, depending on your pace of reading. Uh, but I wanted to touch on a few things, some factors that, that went into this decision for me 
Um, and I talk about them in the article. But the first thing was family. And for many of us, <clears throat> coming home to our families early in our career is refreshing. There does come a time, however, when coming home seems like an escape from reality or more work than putting in a full day in the classroom. We're either fully engaged or fully disengaged. There is no middle there, folks. We know that when you're in a classroom and you're coming home, you're either fully engaged at home or you're disengaged. So it's important to know where you are right now. If you're fully engaged and not put off by your family, keep charging ahead. If you're fully disengaged, however, this is an excellent, excellent opportunity to reflect. How is your work life impacting your home life? Your kids and spouse shouldn't suffer because you aren't happy from bell to bell. For those who are engaged and charging right along, don't take reflection for granted. Reflect often and be honest with yourself and your family. Reflection may be the key to avoiding disengagement. And that's so true. We've got this time this summer, and that's, that's the section on family from this article. You've got time this summer. Reflect on how the semester last semester ended, how the entire school year went. What are some things that could change within your world and do things just a little bit differently to keep you engaged at home so that you don't want to come home and disengage and check out from your family? The next part is financial health. And I wrote, it's easy to get caught up in the we don't get paid enough debate. The reality is we are often paid what the market will bear. Districts can only dole out so much cash based on budgetary restrictions. They're not drawing from a bottomless pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They're paying you as much as they can responsibly afford. This isn't a debate on admin versus teacher pay, by the way. Right out of college, you were just happy to get a steady paycheck. No more working the register, bartending, and giving private lessons just to pay rent. You started receiving a paycheck with benefits and were happy just to make an impact on a child's life. The only thing that changed is you. While your salary has increased ever so slightly over the years, all in all, it hasn't increased to levels being demanded all across this country. Again, reflection is key. Are you living within your means? Are you spending habits out of are your spending habits out of control? Are you buying things that aren't necessities? Have you considered using spare time to make extra money? Thought about coaching a sport or sponsoring an activity after school? Maybe your kids go to school. Maybe your kids go to your school, sorry. Maybe they could be in the sport or activity you coach. You mean you could get paid to hang out with your own kid and their friends? Sounds pretty sweet to me. If you don't want to sponsor a coach, have you thought about offering tutoring to students prepping for the ACT or SAT? There is big money in that. You make scrapbooks for friends with their kid when their kids graduate? There's money in that too. You see where I'm going with this? So one thing that I realized as an educator was there were things I wanted that were simply out of my financial reach. That didn't mean that my salary was wrong. I can't buy a Ferrari on a teacher's salary. I can't, I, I don't know a teacher that can simply on an educator's salary and still have rent or a mortgage, still buy food, still have clothes to wear. That's it. That's tough. And so, and it's not just a Ferrari, but cable became one of those things. We wanted cable. And then we realized, we sat down and we reflected and we realized that we weren't watching cable. We weren't home very much. I was coaching a lot. The kids had activities. My wife was working. We weren't home much to watch cable. But we were paying 150 to 180 bucks for it a month. And we had it. 
Everybody else did. Why shouldn't we? But when we took a hard look at our finances, that was one of those things that we decided, you know what? We don't need to spend $150 to $180 a month. So we cut it. We cut the cord. We went to an antenna. And we're in Kansas City. We have 41 channels we could pick up with that antenna. It's been great. Slowly, we brought back Netflix. So we have a Netflix account. So the kids can watch some of their movies. And, you know, I, I like to watch documentaries. So I get to watch those every once in a while. But, you know, we spend, it was 8 bucks. Now it's 12 I think, a month. Compared to the 150 to 180 we were paying, that's a pretty substantial savings that I can take and I can put that into something else. Save it. Spend it on the car that I like or want or, or put the kids in camp that we couldn't afford before. Or save it and go on the vacation that we never got to take or whatever the case was. There are options financially to save the money, to have the money that you want. But on our, on our salary alone and doing all the niceties just simply isn't going to be there. That doesn't mean, though, that we should be paid $200,000 a year. I, I truly don't believe that. I would love to be paid $200,000 a year to teach. Do you know how financially irresponsible and financially near, next to impossible that is based on where our money comes from? That's really, that would be really difficult to do. And so we talk about, we hear about all the time, we don't get paid enough. I want more money. What's enough? There is no, there's no right answer for that. I could be completely comfortable on $65,000 a year. And you might need $160,000 a year. It's based on our wants, needs, and desires. Our spending habits. And if your spending habits are out of control, if you must have that Ferrari, then you must find another job. You must find something else to do outside of education. Go be your teacher. Do it. Go from 7 to 4. Do it. Kill it. Crush it. Be the best at it. And then at 4 o'clock, go do the next thing. Go do something else to bring in that money that you need to pay for the Ferrari. The next section is physical health. Now, right, this might be the biggest indicator for knowing when your expiration date is near. As many of us do when stressed, you eat. And it's usually not the healthiest food choices either. You grab the quickest, cheapest, most satisfying thing you can. Soda, candy, Lots and lots of chocolate, of course. Chips, fast food during lunch, fast food on the way home because you didn't eat lunch that day. Fast food for dinner because you don't have the energy to cook. It adds up. And before long, so does the weight. Your weight begins to impact your self-esteem, your worry. You worry about what the students think, your coworkers, your spouse, your own kids. You are drowning. And forget about getting in shape. You're exhausted and quite frankly don't feel good from all the shit you put in your body during the day. No, it's not easy to make healthy choices, but neither is quitting education when you're morbidly obese and then have to find another job that, quite frankly, you're unfit to manage. This seems dark, but so is dying of a heart attack while on recess duty or in PE class getting the basketballs out of the closet. Is that really how you want this to end? Guys, I know that seems dark and, it, and, and extreme, but it's the truth. Look around your building when you show up in August. Go from classroom to classroom and just take an inventory and think about how many people in your building alone are unfit, out of shape, physically struggle to do their job on a daily basis. Really consider that. And for me, that, that hit home. I was pushing 260 pounds 
and I was struggling to keep up with my kids. I wasn't feeling good. My legs hurt. My hips hurt. And I felt awful. And it was time to do something. And I did. I dropped 50 pounds. I felt great. And I've changed, I've made a lifestyle change to keep that weight off. It is a choice I make every single day to be in better health. And when I did that, I had a much better experience in my building and my classroom. And I felt much better with my students. I wasn't worried about what they thought or what they said about me. I quit worrying about that stuff because I felt better. And so physical health is an important factor when considering where you're at in the classroom. Emotional health. No one to blame here but you. As much as we want more money, more support, more respect, etc., none of us, none of that will make a lick of difference if we don't like ourselves. I don't care how many lives you change from year one to year 48. If you aren't taking care of your emotional health, all those lives you've impacted have been in vain. Over the last few years, I learned the more selfish I was, the more selfless I could afford to be. You see, just as you do, I gave everything I had from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. I had nothing else to give, though, after 4 p.m. I was exhausted. I began constantly thinking about how unfairly I was treated by my boss. I started blaming him for everything, pay, lack of respect, the fact that I was doing my job and his. I didn't know when the, when the switch flipped, but it did. I had, an, I had had enough, and I sought out some advice, and it came in the way of personal development. Learn how to be selfish so you have more to give. At first, it didn't make sense. You mean I, have to, I need to put in more work in order to get more out of my day? I'm already killing myself here, but it worked. I read a little each day. I learned more about leadership, self-care, about other topics I didn't know much about, like money. I learned how to be uncomfortable and that it's actually quite good for you. I'd been, over, I'd been comfy for over a decade. I didn't know what to do with uncomfortable. Neither do you. You get up every day at the same time, pour coffee into the same mug, schlep the same pile of papers from your kitchen counter back into your bag and into your car. You swing by the same McDonald's for breakfast, drive the same route, park in the same spot, enter through the same door, walk the same classrooms on the way to yours. Put your stuff in the same spot, step out into the same hallway, listen to the same stories from the same people, and greet the same students just as the same old bell rings. Comfortable. Why can't you take a different route to work? Why can't you enter through another door? Why can't you park in a spot further away? Why can't you? Comfortable. Until it's not. Then it's just flat out irritating. That's when you know your expiration date may be approaching. Just like the other ones, emotional health was gigantic for me. It might have been bigger than physical health. I parked in the same spot in the back of the building nearly every single day. I walked in the same door, down the same hallway, through the same gym, made the same left, then a right, walked by the same classrooms and offices, and then a left again. And nothing changed. It was the same stuff every day, folks. Kids came in, had the same problems. Staff came in, still pissed off sometimes. Same stuff. And then I realized that nothing was going to change that unless I did it myself. Nobody else was looking out for me. Hey, Chad, what can we change for you? Nobody said that to me, amazingly, until I did. 
And yep, I did. I started getting up earlier. I started working out and I started reading and not Harry Potter or anything else. Not, not fiction. I don't like those. It's not my style. Nonfiction. Things on learning how to make myself a better human being so that I was better for my kids, my students, my wife, my family. Those things made a huge impact for me and they will for you too. But it does take work. The uh, second to last section is your colleagues. There are two, two types of colleagues that dictate your school day and year. Those that are fun to be around and genuinely enjoy their jobs and those who have expired, turned moldy, gone stale. The question becomes, how do your colleagues categorize you? You know who you look forward to eating lunch with and who you hoped took a sick day. You know who you want to go on that field trip with and who you want to stay back and hold the fort down. Your colleagues do that with you day in and day out. This requires self-awareness and an ego check. How are you impacting your colleagues' day-to-day -day business? Ask around. You'll find one who will be honest with you. And when you do, stick by them. Honesty is a blessing. Please find a colleague this summer that you can ask honest questions to and that will be honest back with you. You will get so much feedback from that person and very likely your career, your, your time within your career will be enhanced. Last section was your students. Ah, yes, the most important of stakeholders, for without them you have no job. Let's pretend you're a peach and they are shoppers. Will they pick you from the bushel in the produce department? Are you plump and somewhat firm, smelling ripe, bruised, and fungus-free? Or are you too squishy, kind of wrinkled, and quite frankly, not good enough for cobbler? Your students look at you like a peach every day. They consume you. Your expiration date is very clear to your students. Ask them. They will tell you how many years they think you have left or if you should have left after the first semester. Seriously, honesty is a blessing. Guys, I don't know how many times I had a student come into my office and say about a teacher or a teacher of their past, I don't know why they come here. I don't know why they teach. I don't know why they show up every single day. They don't like it. They're mean. Is that what your students say about you? Those are things that kids said to me about some of their teachers, either current or past. And it was heartbreaking to listen to that because those kids, our kids specifically, I mean, every kid comes in for a safe environment, but our kids from eight to three, that was the best part of their day. Home was not great. And they wanted to come in to someone and be with someone who wanted to be there, who wanted to be there for the kid. And unfortunately, there were times they just simply didn't get it. A real world, I say real world, outside of education. Example I have of this is just this morning. I had to run over to the grocery store and get some milk for my kids. We were out. And I had the milk and you know early in the morning there's generally only like one or two cashiers working of all the checkout lines there's usually one open or two maybe open this is not usually very busy i had the gallon of milk and i went up and there wasn't anybody at the checkout line and so i set it on the conveyor belt and i just waited i didn't say anything i didn't make a noise i didn't ring a bell i just waited knowing that someone would notice i wasn't in a huge hurry Someone would notice, and the person would come over and check me out. That person did make their way over, 
and I could tell immediately she did not want to be there. She had a horrible look on her face when she stepped behind the register and just stared at the milk and then looked at me with a ugly, ugly face. Not that she was ugly. The look on her face was awful. She clearly didn't want to be there. She didn't need to tell me that. She said it all on her face. She wore it right there. She didn't want to be there today. So I got to thinking, man, how is that different than education? We walk into a classroom every day or to a building, and we have people coming in wanting to buy milk every day. And we have to check them out. We have to provide a service to those people. And do we wear a smile on our face? Do we show the excitement and enthusiasm to those kids when they come in? Or do they go, ugh, all I did was wanted milk. And you're going to be rude to me? That's all I wanted today was a gallon of milk. You're going to give me a look like that. That's what our kids see. That's what our students see every day when we walk in. So how do you check them out at the register? Um, that That's my... Now, so I've, I've shared that article out quite a bit, and um, I've gotten some really awesome feedback from it, and then I've gotten some really almost hateful feedback from it from some folks. And the more I kind of dug in and asked around some questions and whatnot, I, I really felt like those folks were just not ready to be in touch with the reality that they may face someday that they're not quite ready to leave education. And that's okay. Not everybody's ready. But at some point, we have to come to grips, whether it's retirement or you're choosing to leave, how we go about doing that. Um, I also mentioned I want to talk about a podcast episode or a podcast and a book that I've been listening to and reading. And uh, so there's a podcast that I listen to called The Masters of Scale by Reed Hoffman. Reed Hoffman is one of the founders of LinkedIn. And this this podcast is really interesting because sometimes there's business people and sometimes there's just people out in the world who do, you know, who knows what. Um, we got startups, there's CEOs, there's moms and dads on this podcast. And, and, and today's episode was um, 10, well, it wasn't today, but that's when I listened to it today. 10 Steps for Changing Career. And I found that intriguing because I wanted to know what the thought process was like outside of education. So I listened. And let me tell you something, folks. The steps for transitioning from career to career outside of education really aren't any different. One step, though, um, really stood out to me called Tours of Duty. And that's, he refers to it as a tour of duty like in the military. You know, military, you, you sign up for a four-year commitment generally, and then you have a tour of duty where you are assigned somewhere. And when you go on that assignment, you have a task to complete. And once that, is, that task is completed, you are returned from your tour of duty. And generally, everybody's bought into that task. And everybody has a different role within that task. So he calls it Tours of Duty. He also talks about it in a book. And when I heard about the book, I went and checked it out on our online library here in, in our county. And it was available, fortunately. It's called The Alliance. And so I've started listening to that. And within that book, he does break down the tours of duty a little bit farther. Um, but here's the, here's the big takeaway from the tours of duty from the podcast episode and then what he breaks down into the book a little bit farther. 
He likens them to characters on Star Wars. Now, folks, I'm not a huge Star Wars geek. I have watched them. I know who the characters are most, most of the time. But I do know who these three characters are. Han Solo. He relates this to the rotational tour of duty. Rotational. Um, meaning you are the hired gun. You, you have come in to do one job. And when that rotation, that time is up, you're out. The next is Luke Skywalker. And this is the transformational tour of duty. Um, the transformational tour of duty is how you can make an impact on the employer, or you know, in this case, the school district, the organization, and how the organization can make an impact on you as an employee. And so that's Luke Skywalker coming in to transform some things. And I think for many of us educators, that's us. There are very few of us who go in like uh, Han Solo just simply to go in and correct something, to fix something, um, to only teach art for three years. Very few of us have that mindset. And that's okay. We, we should want to go in and make a difference in education and transform the lives of at least one kid. Isn't that why we do it? And the last part is foundational. This is Princess Leia. Princess Leia um, has a life mission. She has long-term thinking, right? And, and we don't always have long-term thinking in education. We are very, very short-term thinkers. And I loved this. Uh, correlation, this draw uh, that, that Reed Hoffman puts on, on hires, on, on careers. And so it made me think back to my expiration date article. And why is it not okay for us as educators to have an expiration date? Why can't I commit five years of my life to being the best educator that I can be and then want to move on? Why is that not okay? We should celebrate those educators who can give their best for five years and then move on to something else. It would create freshness within the classroom, in the building. We would love to have all educators stay for 40 years, but that just simply isn't reality. Most of us are kind of done after five plus years. After 11, 12, I started having questions and doubts. And nearly every educator that I've talked to has considered leaving at some point. You owe it to yourself and your students to consider that. Um, let me think here. Another observation that, that Reed Hoffman makes is that in the business world of things, the career world, the work world, is no longer a career ladder. It's a jungle gym. And that is open and acceptable within the, the career war, the, the private sector. Whether you're in whether you're in a tech startup, whether you're working at Chevrolet in the front office or human resources at PepsiCo, it's understood that people are going to go in and do something that makes them feel good for a period of time, and then they're going to want a new challenge. They're going to want to move on to something new. There are no new challenges in education other than new students coming in if we stay there for 35 years. We, 
well, <laughs> when I think back to that, I say it out loud. There are a ton of new challenges every year, and there are always challenges that we don't necessarily like. Attendance requirements, graduation requirements, state assessment, standardized testing, those requirements come in, and we all hate them. We all hate that we are judged by that. And so we owe it to ourselves to explore these other options. And we owe it to our colleagues to not chastise them and to be proud of their efforts. I would much rather work with someone who gave 12 years, the 12 best years of their career, and left on a good note than to spend 32 years of their career and the last 20 were the worst years of their lives. How awful would that be to spend the last 20 years in a prison? And there are people who do that, and they get comfortable, and we get comfortable as educators. We owe it to ourselves to break the mold, to not be stuck in a position because it's comfortable, to not be stuck in a position because it's quote-unquote financially secure. That's comfort, folks. We owe it to ourselves, to our students, to our families, to the educational system to know when our time is finished. And it's okay to do that. I can't stress that enough. You are not a bad person if you don't make it to your magic number. Now, here at Growth for Educators, part of our task, part of my challenge is helping those educators transition out or helping those find a way to stay, those who want to stay. Chad, I want to be a career educator. I want to reach my magic number. I'm not worried about money. I live minimally. I can live on the retirement that's there when I reach my number. Awesome. Then let's find a way to help you stay so that you don't get burnt out after year 25 and are miserable for the next 10 years. Let's find a way to make that happen. More than likely, though, you're looking for a way to transition out, and that's why we're here. We want to help you make that transition smooth and successful so that you don't flop when you get out there. And we'd love to talk to you about that. Please, if you're in that situation, you want to transition out, or you want to explore the idea of transitioning out, send us an email at growth for the number four educators at gmail.com. We would love to work with you, love to hear your story, and find a way to make it work for you. Um, I think that's it for episode four. Uh, winding down here on that. I would love for you to go check out that article. Um, it's called uh, uh, Teachers Have an Expiration Date. It's on my Medium account. There are some other ones there as well. I'd love for you to glance through that. and Tell me what you think. Would love your feedback on that. Like I said, I've gotten some great feedback, um, positive and negative. And I've loved the negative conversations because it leads to great discussion. And I love hearing that stuff. And so would love to hear from you and find out your thoughts on the expiration date. Maybe you've left. Maybe you're considering leaving. Let's talk about that. Uh, that's it. Find us at, uh, yeah, last thing. Find us at 
at Growth for Educators on Instagram and Growth for Educators on Facebook. Find us in those groups. Hit us up, comment, let us know what you think, and then this episode will be posted there as well. You can find us on, uh, we're on Anchor, and then it goes out to iTunes and all the other podcast uh, platforms. So hope you enjoy it. Please share it if you get anything out of it. Would love for you to share this episode with your friends, with your colleagues. And if we can help one educator be a happier educator, we got a classroom full of happier kids, right? Makes sense that way, doesn't it? Have an awesome summer. Um, see you next time. <laughs>